Talk Radio. In trauma-based mind control, trauma is used to hack into the mind and body's defense systems in order to train a person's behavior. This is accomplished in three steps. In step one, the victim's identity is destroyed. This is achieved by depriving the victim of their basic needs and inflicting pain upon them until they become exhausted, confused, and disoriented. In this state, they no longer trust themselves and become receptive to guidance from an outside authority. Step two, through a strict system of rewards and punishments, the victim is imprinted with a new identity. The new identity is trained to self-isolate by having it denounce everything associated with the previous identity. And finally, with step three, through the continued use of trauma, the rebuilding of the victim's new self is crafted and maintained however the mind controller chooses. For this to work, the subject must remain oblivious to the fact that they are being trained. This is accomplished by keeping them in a helpless victim state of mind with the use of trauma. The entire method requires regular ritualistic abuse to keep the target in the victim state. Declassified documents show how drugs and sensory overload are used to inflict trauma upon the public. But high-level slaves are often procured from families with an established history of child abuse. Intergenerational or multi-generational trauma abuse is when a person abuses their child and that child grows up to abuse their child and that person grows up to abuse their child and so on. This increases a person's susceptibility to trauma-based mind control. Experiments with mice have shown that the offspring of a traumatized pregnant mother are born depressed and exhibit problems socializing with others. A nurturing upbringing by a healthy surrogate mother did not reverse the abnormal behaviors, indicating an in utero transformation of the brain. And bioinformatic analysis revealed long-lasting alterations in the DNA. This is why the CIA is known for targeting children from families of multi-generational child abuse. They are easier to mind control. This is why world leaders are all from the same bloodlines. This brutal technique has been used and understood for centuries. And if a group of people vying for power wanted a loyal army of soldiers, the easiest way would be by breeding them. And the evidence shows that this is how our society was created. From the middle of the 19th century and well into the next, hundreds of thousands of orphans were distributed and sold in the United States and millions worldwide. They were advertised, delivered by train, and sold at fairs. In America, these orphans were being managed and distributed by a private organization from Britain known as the Odd Fellows, many of whom were orphans themselves. The ancient Order of Odd Fellows is an international fraternity whose members, such as Albert Pike and several U.S. presidents during the orphan train years, were often members of Freemasonic lodges as well. With their first official lodge in the United States established in 1819, the Odd Fellows are officially committed to educating orphans, but they seem to have been procuring them and breeding them as well. The Odd Fellows' first female chapter, the Daughters of Rebecca, was founded right before the orphan trains began, and a depiction of their work shows hints of mass breeding and surrogate motherhood. 
He works closely with the Odd Fellows at large institutions known as orphan asylums and foundling asylums, where many members themselves were born. The Rothschild banking dynasty provided funding for several of these orphan asylums. According to Philip Eugene de Rothschild, the family has privately bred over 100,000 offspring, including Adolf Hitler. This is why pedophilia is so prevalent among the families of world leaders. While it is used for extortion, its primary function is for trauma-based mind control. Because to the mind controller, trauma equals transformation, and there is nothing more traumatizing to a person than pedophilia. If you had a million mind control slaves placed in positions of power, then you could control entire nations, but only if the masses were also kept in a relative state of trauma. Greg Reese reporting. It's Tuesday, December 19th, the year of our Lord, 2023. And you're listening to the American Journal with your host, Harrison Smith. Watch it live right now at band.video. I think it's time to blow this thing, get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two. Welcome to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning, filling in for the great Harrison Smith, who will be back behind the desk tomorrow morning. I know you miss him. I miss him, too. I love watching the American Journal when Harrison Smith hosts, but you're stuck with me today. Happy New Year, by the way. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this on the way to work today, this morning in the car. When I was applying for colleges, I auditioned to be a piano major at Belmont University. And you have to prepare some classical pieces. You have to prepare a jazz piece. And then you, you go in and it's in this sort of dark room. You're on a stage. There's like a panel of, I don't know, half a dozen professors listening. And you play your pieces. They have you do some sight reading. They make you do some scales. They say play any scale other than C major as fast as you can. And you just do your best. And I remember how nervous I was. It was probably the only time in my life I've been just sort of paralyzed by nervousness. I was so nervous about that audition for some reason. I didn't sleep at all the night before. I get up, I go, I'm sitting at the piano, and these are pieces that I'd prepared for like a year. I'd worked with a Russian piano instructor for a year on these couple of Mozarts. Vince Giraldi was one of them. And, I mean, I could have played these in my sleep. I had them perfect. And I choked. I choked in my audition. I just totally blew it. Didn't get accepted into the piano program. And was able to study audio engineering and still go to school there and everything, but I wasn't able to study piano. And it's actually a good thing. I'm glad that I didn't major in piano because I just don't think that was the right path for me. But the reason I bring up that story is because we're in 2024 and for the first time in 15 years, 14 years, I'm feeling that same level of nervousness. I'm feeling like the entire future of the country is on the line. Like our destiny is on the line. Like now is more important than ever. Now is our only and last chance to pursue that which we have prepared to pursue for our lives. I'm feeling like this is our shot as a country to save this country from the leftists, from the globalists, from the new world order, from those who seek to eradicate freedom from the face of the planet itself. I'm feeling a little bit of that nervousness because think about it, folks, and and we'll take calls in the third hour. I want to hear what you have to say later on in the show today. But what other time in our nation's history has has been this pivotal? 
We've got the 1860 election. Obviously, that was very pivotal. It was right before the Civil War. They took Abraham Lincoln off of 10 of the ballots in the southern states. Those Democrats. That was a pivotal time. The Vietnam War era was a pivotal time. The Civil Rights Movement was a pivotal time. Obviously, World Wars I and II were pivotal times. But I don't think that our actual institution has faced such a threat internally as it faces right now. And I don't know that we're on the brink of our second Civil War of Civil War 2.0. I don't know if that's real or not. Certainly, it was very obvious that the first Civil War was just around the corner, especially with Massive threats of secession. We haven't seen that yet from the states. But it seems to me that we are at a crossroads in this nation this year, this 2024 year. I was joking around with my family this weekend, and I said, isn't it amazing that the Mayans were only 12 years off? (laughs) Because, of course, they predicted that the end of the world, their calendar ended in 2012. Here we are in 2024. It might actually be the end of the world. And What a funny coincidence it would be that the Mayans were only 12 years off in their prediction of the end of the world. But here we are facing this election in the fall on a 5th of November. No one will forget. Between who knows who and who knows who. Presumably, it'll be Donald Trump versus some Democratic candidate. Who knows who the Democratic candidate is actually going to be? I still hold fast that it's likely not going to be Joe Biden. But if Trump wins, there's going to be major opposition in the streets. And if Trump loses, there's going to be major opposition in the streets. I don't know how we heal from this. This is like a major conflict. But if he loses, this is the worst case scenario. If Trump loses in a Joe Biden or a Kamala Harris or a Gavin Newsom or a Michelle Obama or any other leftist you can name that seems like they might be a likely replacement candidate, if they go into office in 2024, I genuinely, and I'm not saying this as hyperbolic political rhetoric, I genuinely believe that is it for this country without an actual violent revolution to to heal it. Because when I look at history, I can't identify examples, and maybe some of you listeners out there who are true historians, true students of history can, but I can't identify examples of nations that have reached a level of corruption as corrupt as our current nation. And peacefully remedied that through natural, internal, legal, political processes. I mean, think about it. We look at Rome. It just got more and more corrupt. You look at Germany up until 33, more and more corrupt. Obviously, a major revolution there and a terrible outcome there. You look at the United States. I don't think it's ever been this corrupt before. We've always struggled with corruption. But the major corruption that we struggled with in the 19th century was pretty much reversed after the Civil War. That resulted in the death of 600,000 Americans if you count the Confederates and the Union soldiers alike. And I don't want to see 600,000 or 1.2 million Americans die in some sort of a civil domestic conflict. I don't want to see any violence here. I don't want to see people thrown into prison, whether they're of the left or of the right, for their political beliefs. I don't want to see bricks thrown through windows at stores and businesses burned down and mass lootings and mass incarcerations and the political imprisonment of opposition. I don't want to see all of the trash that's associated with the great evil that is war. And let's face it, war is almost always, if not always, a very evil thing. For those of you who have read Stephen Ambrose, Band of Brothers, they made a great show about it on HBO. 
famously discusses how war is hell. That was a motif, a joke among the soldiers in the 101st Airborne during World War II. That war is hell. And just when you think you've seen the worst thing that you could possibly see, something even more disgusting comes across your vision. And the only thing you're left with is the thought that war is hell. So, to me, it's very obvious that war should be avoided at all costs. It should absolutely always be a last resort. It should be a defensive act, not an offensive one, whenever possible. And I see people on the left and the right just sort of excited about this notion of a civil war. Like, oh, okay, this is going to be great, finally. We're going to have another civil war. Awesome. They just have no idea how terrible that really is. What it's like to see women and children raped. What it's like to see mass starvation, supply chains totally disrupted. I mean, you see a Biden administration right now bragging about the low cost of insulin. You think anybody's going to be able to get insulin or pain medication or cancer medication or any other medication for any of their chronic illnesses during a civil war? You think FedEx is going to be showing up every day to your door with whatever it is that you need if we're in a civil war? This is going to be very, very ugly. And so I'm nervous about 2024. I can feel it in my knees. My knees get weak sometimes when I think about it. I can feel it in my chest, in my stomach. The intensity of this year, how important this year is. And that's why every time I hear them come out against Donald Trump with another persecution, with another prosecution, with another allegation, with another statement from Jack Smith, with another statement from Hillary Clinton, with another statement from some pundit from some mainstream media outlet about how corrupt Donald Trump is, about how MAGA Republicans are the domestic terrorists that are the greatest threat to our national security, it makes me furious to hear. I get so mad. And that's the problem, because when we get angry, the first thing that we just naturally go to in our primitive minds is violence. But I don't want violence. I just want to win. I just want InfoWars to win this year. I just want Trump to win this year. I want Americans to win against this political elite, this political class, this political establishment that we have given way too much in terms of power. We have to win against them because we're already involved in an info war. We don't want it to turn into a hot war. But we know that if it is turned into a hot war, we will certainly be blamed for that, though it's incredibly likely that a violent conflict would be instigated by the deep state and just framed and blamed on right-wing Americans. So I just wanted to start off this first segment of the year talking about how important this year is. Stick with us, folks. We are going to get into more on the other side. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com and be the reason we are still on the air. Winter isn't coming. Winter is here. And while the sun isn't helping us produce as much vitamin D, do yourself a favor and try InfoWars Life Winter Sun Plus. Winter Sun Plus is a powerful vitamin D-based formula bringing you straight vitamin D3 free of toxic chemicals, allergens, preservatives, artificial colors, and GMOs. Our vitamin D3 formula supports the body's natural immune system, promotes calcium absorption for healthy bones and teeth, and helps sustain healthy tissue and systems of the body. In addition to the vitamin D, Winter Sun Plus includes vitamin K and E to enhance the formula and provide you with even more whole body support. And all these vitamins are presented in a way that is both delicious and easy to absorb. When the winters come, they come cold. So weather the storm and supplement with Winter Sun Plus. 
at InfoWarsStore.com. If you ever take one piece of my advice, it's get a bottle of X2. It's been sold out for over a year because we wouldn't cut corners and because it's so hard to produce. We finally have a limited run back in supply at InfoWarsStore.com. So many people have serious issues. Look up the UN's own numbers. Billions have cognitive disabilities because they do not have true nascent iodine in their bodies. Most of the other iodine is bound to other heavy metals or bound to other elements, so you don't download it. But this is pure atomic certified iodine. X2 is now back in stock, discounted. So I'm giving Thanksgiving right now for this product being here. It funds the info war, but I guarantee you, you take this for a few weeks, you will feel the difference. It is amazing. It's the missing link X2 back in stock at the end of 2023 at InfoWarsStore.com. X2. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. Bill Clinton to be unmasked as Doe 36 and identified more than 50 times in Jeffrey Epstein doc dump. Amazing. It's so funny how it's always breaking news when they admit what we already knew. Clinton 77 is mentioned more than 50 times across redacted documents related to a 2015 lawsuit from Epstein accuser Virginia Gufri. According to ABC News, Clinton, who was photographed with Epstein and flew on his private jet on numerous occasions, has denied having any nefarious connections with the sex offender. There he is, sitting with him right there. Amazing. Well, it'll be interesting to see if anything actually comes of this. The Clintons are outstanding at dodging bullets. And I wonder if anything's going to come from this list at all. It seems to me that if there was anything really damning on this list, it's very unlikely that it would ever come out. But nearly 200 names linked to Jeffrey Epstein are expected to be made public. The judge is set to reveal disturbing claims about Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein by Prince Andrew's sex accuser, Johanna Schoberg. And... It's just more of what we already knew. We knew that Jeffrey Epstein was likely Mossad, that he was engaged in this sex trafficking scheme for the purpose of luring political class elites to this island and filming those elites with underage girls so they could be blackmailed. Whether it was so Israel could blackmail them, whether it was so someone else or anyone else could blackmail them, whether it was just so Epstein could blackmail them, it's to be determined. You're talking about a guy with multiple passports who got busted years ago for some of this activity, was released and able to operate successfully for years after that before being busted again. Talking about somebody who was murdered in his cell. It was called suicide, but all the cameras were off. All the guards were asleep. And there's conflicting reports from the autopsies about whether or not it was self-induced asphyxia or whether it was just strangulation given the nature of some of the bones that were broken in his neck, apparently. And it seems to me another example of just a Clinton murder. It seems a lot like 
Another name added to the list of over 70 people who have died mysteriously after being associated too closely with the Clintons. I don't know if I ever told this story on air, but I knew a guy who was in private security sort of contracting. I don't know if he worked for Blackstone or or who. But basically, what's that? Blackwater, thank you. I don't know if it was Blackwater or who he was involved with, but he had a coworker that was responsible for the security detail of Hillary Clinton overseas. I don't remember what country it was. My memory is that it was somewhere in Africa. And basically the rule was, look, just don't talk to her, don't look at her, and whatever you do, don't touch her. So the guy's standing guard. He's guarding the inside of this door. She's about ready to walk through the door. She walks through the door. This is Hillary Clinton. She trips and falls, and this guy reaches down and helps her up, grabs her by the arm and helps her up. She looks at him. She says, thank you. She moves on. Next day, fired. <laughs> so she falls. He helps her up. He was told not to touch her, but he did. He helped her up. She fell. He's the guard. Next day, he's fired because he wasn't supposed to touch her. And it just goes to show how sort of cold these people are for demanding that people be fired for helping her up, whatever. All the people that are dead that have been associated with the Clintons, from chefs to guards. And it's not just the fact that they're dead. I mean, you would expect that a number of people have died over the last 40 years that might have worked with or known the Clintons. Obviously, people over the course of 40 years die. But it's just that the nature in which they die that is so bizarre, whether it's Epstein, whether it's a shotgun to the stomach and then hanging of oneself afterward. You just hear bizarre story after bizarre story of the people that were once close to the Clintons dying. And these are all people that one would think could potentially have some sort of information that would be damning of the Clintons. Obviously, a chef is somebody who works closely with the family every single day. They overhear dinner conversations. They have stories about food being sent back and how rude the Clintons are and how abusive the Clintons are. They stories of shouting from the other room, arguments, whatever. If you're a chef, you're like a fly on the wall. You're like the wallpaper. You hear everything. And this Epstein thing just seems like another example of that to me. It seems like very obvious that Bill Clinton, who's been accused by very reasonable, trustworthy sources on a number of occasions of sexual misconduct, to say the least. And this is not even counting the Monica Lewinsky stuff. It seems very reasonable that it's not just a coincidence that Bill Clinton was hanging out with perhaps the most infamous sex trafficker in the history of the planet. It's not just happenstance that this serial sex offender is associated with the most infamous sex trafficker in the world. Oh, you know, we never really talked about sexual misconduct or sex trafficking. We were just more interested in how we could depopulate the planet, things of that nature. We were just talking about solving the world's problems. It never really came up that he had a slew of women that I would love to have sex with just lined up, ready to roll on an island that I'd been to a number of times on an airplane that I'd flown on a number of times. And you know what's crazy too? If you look at some of the images that are taken from Epstein's home, either his home in New York or the island in wherever it was, there's several that have the bookshelf in the background. 
and you look at the titles of the books. I don't know if the crew can find one. I know that I'm just throwing a curveball at you guys, but I believe it's his New York home. You can see pictures taken from the scene whenever he was arrested or whatever. His bookshelf is depicted, and if you zoom in and you look at the titles of their books, those books that Epstein's had, they were all globalist books. Things like The Population Problem, books that were just are just infamous among these globalist circles about how important it is to eradicate humanity off of the face of the earth. I looked at it. I tweeted about it a long time ago. I can't remember what the names of the specific books were, but I remember the image and zooming in on my Mac and just reading title after title of the books that Epstein had on his shelf. And it was all globalist depopulation crap. Nobody talks about that part. Everybody's distracted with the story. And it is the real story that he was a sex trafficker. But then you look at the circles that he runs in with the Bill Gateses and the Epsteins and the RFKs. It, it makes sense that the sex trafficker would obviously be advocating or interested in things like global depopulation, climate change, all this stuff that the left touts as important issues. The highest elites, the Harari types coming out and saying that the human is a hackable being. All that same intellectual bogey language is on Epstein's shelf, and it just goes to show how sick and how satanic the man really was and how sick and satanic those philosophies really are. They're anti-human. We'll get more into it on the other side. In the meantime, make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. Game-changing New Year's specials from InfoWars are here. Get up to 60% off plus free shipping and double Patriot points. The new year is upon us. It's time to reevaluate your approach to your supplement routine with these InfoWars essentials. Our powerhouse formulas are up to 60% off and savings don't stop there. We're giving you free shipping store-wide and double Patriot points on all purchases. Shop now and get massive savings on all of our incredible products at InfoWarsStore.com. Sleepless nights seem to be a lot more common these days with everything that's going on both at home and the world at large. If you're having trouble getting to that deep sleep we could all use more of, our new sleep support formula, Down and Out, is just the thing. It's our new, faster-absorbing liquid formula that is specifically designed to help you get the shut-eye you deserve. Formulated to improve upon our best-selling product, Knockout, with Down and Out, now the herbs and melatonin packed inside are extracted directly into the glycerin solution. So the ingredients are already dissolved into the formula before you even take it. One of the other sleep support herbs included is the passion flower, which was traditionally used by Native Americans like the Cherokees, who used it for its relaxing qualities. Be sure to take this product when you are completely ready for sleep, because you will be down and out. Selling out now at InfoWarsStore.com. InfoWars.com is tomorrow's news today. The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning, filling in for the great Harrison Smith, who will be back to join you tomorrow morning. Happy New Year. It is 2024, year of our Lord, year of our nation, frankly. It's a graphic video I'm going to show you. It's It's graphic. South Korea opposition leader stabbed in the neck. The attacker arrested. We're going to run clip three here in a second. 
South Korea's main opposition party leader, Lee Jae-myung, was attacked by an unidentified assailant during a visit to the southern coastal city of Busan and rushed to a hospital after he was bleeding from his neck. Let's run it and see. Let's just loop it one more time. Boom. Man, that's terrible. That's terrible. It's almost as violent as that, that stabbing that we saw in that random street with the girlfriend who made a bunch of money off her dead boyfriend. It looks like he only got him one time. And I don't know much about politics in South Korea, to be honest with you. All I know is that the lights are always on in South Korea and they're always off in North Korea, just like everybody else. But we are arriving at a place globally where instead of political discourse, we have political violence. Instead of political debate, we have political war. Instead of political differences, we have political persecution. And it's not just manifesting here in the United States, but everywhere. We're seeing it in the United Kingdom. We're seeing it in South Korea, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, everywhere. This is what happens when things get tough. Politicians start to get whacked. <laughs> Remember that video? We've obviously run this compilation a number of times of all the different times that the left has called for violence against Donald Trump. Whether it was mainstream media outlets just saying time and time again that they want to see Trump punched in the face, whether it's this Kathy Griffith insanity just holding, holding up a severed Trump head, whether it's Johnny Depp saying, when was the last time an actor killed a president? Of course, referring to John Wilkes Booth's assassination of Abraham Lincoln, implying that he, Johnny Depp, was considering or drawn to the idea of assassinating President Trump. And you don't really see this from the right. You don't really see calls for the death of politicians from the right. I hate Joe Biden. I hate him probably more than I've ever hated anybody in my entire life, except maybe an ex-girlfriend or two. <laughs> I really hate the guy. I think he's probably the most evil man in the world. But I want him to be prosecuted and found guilty by a jury of his peers. I'm not calling for violence against the guy. Because if we just kill the guy, then we're just as bad. We're just as evil. We are rushing to judgment. It's not fair, frankly. It's just not. It's not right to do that. You have to prosecute these people, give them a trial, and hold them accountable. Even after the atrocities of World War II, and I know there was Operation Paperclip, and we took a lot of the Nazis, and we just embedded them in our own society. I know that we were imperfect about that, but we at least gave the most evil people who did some of the most evil things during the Holocaust, we gave them a trial. And you can argue about whether or not the trial was fair. You can argue about whether or not the Holocaust was real. I happen to be, be someone who believes that it really happened. But even in that case, after everything was so emotionally charged, after all our soldiers saw their friends die right before their eyes at the hands of SS officers in combat, after all the soldiers who saw the camps, after all the Jews who were in the camps or had family killed in the camps, after all of the emotional onslaught, just the emotional damage and abuse that happened, we still gave the Nazis a fair trial. So the same should be true today. We should be giving our leftist politicians fair trials, but they should be brought to trial. 
And so when I see this violence, I always see it from the left on the right. You always see the seems to be the right wing Congress members that are shot up when they're playing baseball. It seems to be the right wing Congress members that are threatened with death and demanded to say that black lives matter when they're leaving an event in Washington, D.C. It always seems to be the right wing that's threatened with violence. I guess JFK was technically a Democrat, but by all standards today, he would be a Republican, I think. Certainly, Abraham Lincoln was a right-wing guy. I'm not a huge fan of Abraham Lincoln, to be honest with you. But I don't think he should have been assassinated. You think he was a tyrant? Fine. Why don't you win the war and then charge him with tyranny? But we're seeing this intensify. Even on January 6th, the only violence that we saw was from this leftist person attacking a right-wing protester. Ashley Babbitt shot in the neck. Right-wing, unarmed. She hopped through a window, so she was murdered? Are you kidding me? And they always act like we're the violent ones or like, like, like the right wing has this double standard. But I tell you what, I don't hear a lot of calls for assassination from the right on the left. I hear it from the left on the right all the time on social media, on the mainstream news, everywhere. They're always calling, just punch a Nazi, kill Trump, whatever. They're always saying it. But you don't hear it from the right. Because we're not a violent people. We quietly harbor firearms. We quietly practice our Second Amendment right to bear arms. We quietly prepare for the worst, but we don't actually start the worst. We're not the ones looting stores. We're the ones that are opposed to this massive invasion of our southern border, and there has yet to be a mass shooting at the southern border. One would think that if MAGA Republicans were the greatest threat to national security, one would think that if we were domestic terrorists, that we would be in droves at the border firing with our AR-15s upon the military-aged men who are crossing our border by 12,000 a day. But we haven't seen a single instance of that because the truth of the matter is we are not right-wing extremists. We are not radicals. We are not domestic terrorists. It is the left that is practicing domestic terrorism by funding and fueling and advocating that our country be invaded and that anybody who says anything against it be silenced or imprisoned. With the DOJ coming out and threatening to even sue Texas for enforcing the protection of our own borders, which proves that they're not just incompetent in allowing this invasion of our border to happen, but they're actually propelling it, promoting it sponsoring it, funding it with concierge luggage services, with billions upon billions of dollars allocated for the legal defense of these illegal immigrants, with billions upon billions of dollars allocated for their housing and their food and their shelter and their welfare, and now California giving free health care to any illegal migrant that comes into the state of California. While the people of California themselves suffer, while I can't even tell you how many clips we have of crackhead after crackhead, of fentanyl addict after fentanyl addict doing drugs in broad daylight in the streets of San Francisco or Portland or any other leftist city right in front of children. I didn't run the clip on Sunday when I was doing the Sunday Night Live show, when I was doing the Alex Jones show on Sunday because I didn't get to it. But there's literally people just smoking crack or doing fentanyl right in front of children sitting next to their fathers at bus stops in these major cities. But we're the ones that are going to be getting audited by the IRS because we haven't been paying our fair share of taxes. Or we're the ones that are going to be silenced, persecuted, prosecuted. 
because of our political affiliations. We're the ones that lose our friends and our family because of the political beliefs that we harbor. We lose our jobs because of the political beliefs that we harbor. We're antagonized and terrorized and swatted by the left who find our addresses online and then call up the government to tell them that we've just killed our entire family. In the case of Posobiec, that's what happened to him. He was accused of shooting his entire family and swatted over the holidays. Marjorie Taylor Greene swatted over the holidays, I believe, for the eighth time. We need to realize that the left is a violent terrorist organization. Leftists are violent terrorist organizations, and not only do they advocate for violence against the right domestically, but they advocate for World War III internationally on multiple fronts simultaneously. They're trying to bring us into conflict in Israel. They're trying to bring us into conflict in Ukraine. They're trying to bring us into conflict with China over Taiwan. They're trying to bring us into conflict with North Korea over South Korea. They're trying to bring us into every single imaginable conflict while accusing us of being the the radical right-wing extremists, the violent extremists, the terrorists. It's unbelievable, folks. More on the other side. Make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com. January 2024 is here, and that means up to 60% off at InfoWarsStore.com, free shipping, and double Patriot points. This is one of the biggest deals of the year, and it supports the InfoWar. And we're selling out a lot of these products, and it'll be months and months till more are back in stock. Whether it's books, films, t-shirts, you name it, you need to go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and take advantage of this 2024 New Year's sale, double Patriot points, free shipping, and so much more. Get a copy of my book, Signed or Unsigned, The Great Awakening, The Plan to Defeat the Globalists, and Launch the Next Great Renaissance. And again, thank you so much for your amazing support in 2023. But 2024, as everybody knows, is the big year. So please support us and get great products at InfoWarsStore.com. And tell everybody you know and those you don't know, tune into the live show at InfoWars.com forward slash show. God bless, and we're going into 2024 together. I have been in a 28-year marathon battle with a globalist. I have come from nowhere to the very heights of politics, not just in America, but in the world. We are engaging the globalists at point-blank range in the information war. But I don't deserve the credit. Yes, I've persevered, but the listeners and viewers who support InfoWars are the real reason we've had the success. We're having now the greatest victories in the fight against the new world order we've ever had. We are now entering the final mile of the marathon. And that's why today it's more important than ever to realize how important you've been in this fight and to continue in the efforts you've been carrying out and to intensify them. God bless you all. I salute you. I thank you. And I beg you to intensify what you're doing now because we are over the target and history is happening. The fight is my fight. It's your fight. It's our fight. God bless you all. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to The American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. For the great Harrison Smith. British police probe of virtual rape and metaverse. Young girl's digital persona is sexually attacked by a gang of adult men in immersive video game, sparking first investigation of its kind and questions about extent current laws apply in online world. So British police probe virtual rape in metaverse. 
<laughs> this is so crazy. <laughs> As we transition from the real world to, to the virtual world, things are going to get very, very, very interesting. You know, I don't know what to think about all this metaverse stuff. <sighs> Traditionally, I've been somebody who's been an advocate of the advancement of technology and embracing technology because I've thought that fighting against it, resisting it was just moot. If you try to fight against change, you're going to have all sorts of problems. The change is going to come, and then you will have failed to adapt it. And that's just not a place we want to be. We don't want to fail to adapt. I mean, if you look at what's happened with the advancement of technology, it's always been met with resistance. And up until now, it's always actually been a good thing. I guess you could argue against the nuclear weapon. But let's just take, for example, the tractor. After the tractor was invented, farmers were able to harvest on hundreds or thousands of, acre instead of acres instead of dozens of acres. And at first, of course, all the farmers are like, oh, this tractor is going to put us out of business. But every farmer I know still works 80 hours a week. They just have to have more yield. They're not doing everything by hand anymore. I know that after the roller was inv- invented for the painters, for painters, commercial painters, the unions banned the roller because... They could paint too quickly. They wanted to do everything manually by brush. So the unions came out and said, hey, we don't use rollers. We don't roll walls with rollers. That's way too efficient. We do it by brush. And if you're going to hire the union to do work, which you're going to have to do, then it's going to be done by brush. And they'll argue things about quality and it's hand done and it looks better or whatever. But the fact of the matter is the roller was way better. Now you see rollers used all the time. And now we're approaching this position where we have this artificial intelligence, we have this virtual reality, we have things like Neuralink coming into place, and we're faced with the question again about whether or not this advancement of technology is a good thing or something to be resisted. And I'm inclined to think, though I am wary about this technology, I'm inclined to think that we should probably embrace these things. But we should have the character first to handle it before we embrace it. I mean, think about it, folks. If virtual reality really is possible, if Neuralink really is possible, if we are going to be a society in the next hundred years where everybody logs into this alternative reality, then what is there that could possibly stop it? Are are you talking about just outlawing it altogether, just making it illegal for us to enter into this virtual reality? I mean, think about the, the benefits of this virtual reality. We could go in and conduct all sorts of dangerous experiments that would be impossible or just way too dangerous to do in the real world. We could have them done in a virtual space with these simulations to discover truths about our universe. We could make minutes seem like hours to advance the study. Imagine if you were able to do some sort of time dilation in virtual reality where you could spend four years studying a given topic and it would only be four hours in the real world. Like the Matrix. I know Kung Fu. There are so many benefits to be having this, but on the other hand, there's so many risks as well. What what if this virtual reality becomes so much more appealing than actual reality to the point where it acts like a Soma from Brave New World where no one wants to actually face reality. Instead, we prefer to be in this fantasy world Engaging with one another where we're the best version of ourselves, we're the, we're the most physically fit, we're the smartest, we're the most beautiful, we have the most relationships. I could see a society that becomes totally intoxicated 
like Cypher from The Matrix with the potential of this false reality. So on the one hand, it could be our salvation. It could be this tool that solves so many of the world's problems. And on the other hand, it could be this tool used by the new world order to ensure the enslavement of humanity worldwide. And I don't know what to think. I don't know whether I should be against this virtual reality, this metaverse, or whether I should be for it because of the benefits. Is it mood for us to fight against it? Is, this, is it this inevitable thing that's going to happen no matter what with this artificial intelligence reality that's going to come no matter what we do so we should just practice and learn and develop the character necessary in order to embrace it? Or should we just fight it with everything that we have altogether? I don't know. I guess we can talk about it when you call in during the third hour. But one thing is for sure. Those who are evil among us will use it to the best of their ability to make people satisfied or content with the worst state of life in the real world possible. You might live in the ghetto. You might struggle for health care. You might struggle for food. You might struggle to make ends meet. You may not be able to find a partner to have children with and raise a family with. But at least in this metaverse, you're going to be able to log in and be the best version of yourself. It seems to me that this is going to be an ugly psalm. It seems to me that this is going to tear apart marriages. It's going to tear apart relationships. It's going to tear apart families where you have fathers logging in instead of spending time with their kids. You have mothers logging in instead of spending time with their kids. You have kids logging in instead of growing up and becoming the adults that they were meant to be. And now we have a situation in which this virtual world is so on the cusp that even just through video games, we spend almost as much of our time in this false reality as we do in this real world. To the point where we have prosecutions of virtual rape now. Now the crimes that have only been possible in the real world are being committed in this virtual reality to the point where law enforcement is getting involved to prosecute crimes that haven't, been, haven't even been committed in reality but in a fake world. Bizarre. Very, very bizarre. And then, of course, it begs the question, how long has this technology really existed? How long has it been that the government or that the military-industrial complex has already had the capability of sending people into virtual reality. We know that through the new manifestations of MK Ultra, there are facilities that have soldiers, military officials strapped in and on a DMT drip to interact with the interdimensional beings that are allegedly found on a DMT trip. We know that the government experiments with altered states of reality, altered states of mind, that for decades they have been experimenting with what could possibly be on the other side, all in the context of Jim Morrison screaming break on through to the other side in pop culture. And I guess it's a natural manifestation of a power-hungry elite, of a power-hungry people, that they would do things like establish experiments at CERN that could potentially create wormholes they consume the entire planet. I guess it's the nature of our establishment political elite that they would do nuclear experiments during the Manhattan Project. They knew had a small chance of actually igniting the entire atmosphere and destroying the entire human people. But when is this just going to ultimately backfire? When are we going to finally do the experiment, conduct the experiment, test the technology that is just going to totally eradicate what we know as humanity from the face of the planet? Because it seems to me inevitable that it'll happen eventually. 
I don't know how it is that we've come to a place in this world where we haven't already destroyed the entire populace with nuclear power. Some members of the crew will tell you it's because nuclear power doesn't really exist, and maybe they're right. Maybe it was just a lie. Maybe it was just massive bombs all deployed simultaneously at Hiroshima and Nagasaki to look like a nuclear explosion. But it seems to me that we do have this nuclear power, and it seems to me that it's very real, and it seems to me a miracle that we haven't used it to the extent that it eradicates all of humanity from the face of the planet. And maybe that's why we're so antagonistic towards Russia. Maybe that's why we keep time and time again saying that Russia is the ultimate enemy. We keep time and time again trying to find an excuse to go to war with Russia, whether by proxy through Ukraine or directly in Ukraine, as the Biden administration has recently been touting or threatening. Maybe it's because this nuclear power is such a threat to the existence of humanity itself that our military industrial complex is terrified at the notion that anybody else other than Putin could one day be in control of it in Russia. And therefore, the interest of the American people, the national security interests of the United States are such that we must control who comes into power next in Russia because if it's some madman, which eventually it will be, it's inevitable that eventually some madman will be in power at one of these nuclear nations then that could be the end of humanity as we know it. But it seems to me less likely that it will be a nuclear holocaust or a nuclear extinction of humanity than an extinction by complacence or compliance with these virtual realities where everybody just decides to give up voluntarily their individual sovereignty for the sake of this virtual reality which is so appealing that they're willing to sacrifice everything real for everything faux for everything real for everything fiat and live a lie because the truth is just too hard to face more on the other side folks thanksgiving 2023 is here and I'm giving Thanksgiving for all we've done against tyranny and your incredible support together in this fight. And I'm particularly giving Thanksgiving that X2, our number one product, the only true atomic iodine on the market after a year plus of being sold out, is finally back in stock, ready to ship now. If you don't know the power of X2 and the iodine conspiracy, you are insane. Get X2 now. It could be the last run ever we get shut down. While you still can, at InfoWarsStore.com. Research iodine deficiency and billions of people with cognitive disabilities because they don't have it. X2, X2, X2 is now back in stock at InfoWarsStore.com. Takes a few weeks to kick in, but it is the building block to everything. It's the missing link. They bomb us with the fluoride that is in the same family, but has the opposite effect. This is the holy grail of supplements and empowering yourself. X2, back in stock right now. Discount at InfoWarsStore.com. Chase Geyser presents the American Journal, capturing the spirit of the times on InfoWars. What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order. The U.S. firmly supports the right of all peoples to emigrate. We have consistently supported this in our bilateral talks with other countries, and we have supported it strongly in the United Nations. Your class 
has an incredible window of opportunity to lead in shaping a new world order. We immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. When I win the presidency, I want you to immediately surge the border. Tens of thousands at the Eagle Pass alone. Thousands being let through an hour. Major railways on the U.S. border shut down. Trade unable to come in so that the Border Patrol can facilitate the biggest surge ever seen. Normally, December and January are the lowest numbers. This is the biggest numbers ever. Tens of thousands of more migrants. Look at this video just obtained from our Fox sources. It's about three hours south of Piedras Negras, the town behind me. They are trying to get on this train. You can hear them cheering as the train goes by. They can't get on the train, our source says, because that train, which he's riding on, is already at full capacity with migrants hanging off of it. And in 2021, the Biden administration turned sports stadiums, you know, football stadiums, concerts, uh, convention centers, they closed them all down because of COVID. And these stadiums were making their money by renting them out to the Biden administration. So you had 3,000 kids in a convention center in San Antonio. You had 4,000 kids in a convention center in Dallas, Texas. They were exempt. Then the Democrats skim a bunch of money off the top, then signed them up to work jobs, slave labor in many cases for children, sex slavery, you name it. It's in the New York Times even admits it. $451 billion a year to care for, process the illegal migrants in this country. Cost of the border wall would have been about $15 billion. We couldn't even get $5 billion when Trump was in office. And we controlled the Congress and the Senate. Couldn't even get $5 billion. It was too expensive. It's too much money. So instead, we're spending... $451 billion a year to take care of and house and provide the transportation for, provide the legal services for, and provide the courtroom facilities for foreigners, people that are not American, contributed absolutely nothing to this country by definition. Also, starting January 1st, California will become the first state in the nation to offer health insurance to undocumented immigrants. Under the expansion, more than 700,000 people between the ages of 26 and 49 will be eligible for Medi-Cal. Your dad left you out of the house dressed like this. Who is your father? And then they tell them how to vote or they get deported. They can't stop you from voting. Mm. If I vote, will immigration know where I live? Will they come for my family and deport us? Not true. The sanctity of the vote is strictly confidential in terms of who you voted for. If you have a family member who maybe is undocumented, then you have an even greater reason to vote. Project Veritas has received an explosive piece of tape. The tape you're about to see shows a man buying a registration form for an absentee ballot from a voter, giving him, quote, pocket money, unquote, of $200 and expecting to collect his ballot when the voter receives it. She's the one who came up with all this. So she did it. She yeah. started this whole thing with yeah. the, the pay to vote. Yeah. So the people that work for Ilhan are actually counting the ballots, counting the vote. And they become a manager in the prison too. They were told to come here and they say, thank you, Biden, we'll be voting Democrat. They're being made to be police officers. So my husband owns a gun shop, and he just called me to tell me that the ATF has made updates to their background check policy 
and effective today, they give an exemption to illegal immigrants to be able to purchase firearms. Now, this strangely coincides with uh, California, New York, and Chicago making it legal for illegals to be police officers. You're watching The American Journal with your host, Chase Geyser. Watch live right now at band.video. Докладываю, проект по вмешательству в новые выборы США выходит на финальную стадию. Чипирование объекта провели успешно. Операция прошла под личным контролем. Все прекрасно функционирует. Она еще Трампа причесывала. Сегодня готовы наконец переходить к праздникам подготовили объект. Загружайте русификатор. Meanwhile, Meta is censoring Jewish and Muslim coexistence podcast. Meta, the parent company of Facebook, is currently under scrutiny for removing an episode of, quote, Peace Talk, a podcast dedicated to Jewish-Muslim coexistence, citing violation of its community guidelines on dangerous individuals and organizations. We should have known that it was all over when Facebook changed its name to Meta. Remember when Google changed its name to Alphabet? That was sort of inconspicuous. Whatever. Stupid. Whatever. You're not just a search engine anymore, so you got to change your business name to be not just the search engine's name. I get it. And Facebook's not just a social media company anymore. Now it's something more than that. It's a tech company, so they changed their name to Meta. But you got to keep in mind the metaverse, what that really is, is this false reality. It's this push for artificial intelligence and virtual reality and experiences that are not of this world but simply happening in the minds of people in this world. It is a push to get humanity off planet in a virtual way, not in a SpaceX literal way where we can actually go cohabitate on Mars or the moon or wherever. But it's actually an effort to just get people off planet. And it's not meant for the elites. It's not meant for 
those among us who have been established as the political elite, the political class, it's meant for the general population. They are trying to make virtual reality accessible to the consumer class, whether it's the poor in third world countries or the middle class here in the United States of America. That is who is targeted for this metaverse. And they started a little bit with cryptocurrencies and a little bit with the NFTs, and then it was the video games, and now it's the VR headsets. But eventually, it's going to be a place where we have this reality installed physically as chips, as brain chips, as Neuralink in our brains, and we could potentially be seduced by the artificial side of the universe. Not necessarily the dark side of the force, but the artificial side of the universe. Where people will choose this simulation, this man-made world instead of God's creation, it seems to me it's self-defiant of God himself. And so you have Meta coming out and censoring conversations about Jewish and Muslim coexistence. Because that narrative isn't conducive to the political goals of the establishment. They don't actually want peace because they make such a tremendous amount of money from war and conflict. They don't want a two-state solution. They want the eradication of all Palestinians so they can stabilize the region and compete with China in trade. It's as simple as that. They don't want peace between Ukraine and Russia. They want perpetual war. They want perpetual war in the Middle East. They want conflict with China over Taiwan. They want constant conflict because conflict is how they rally their people against this faux threat. The established political class understands that if there is no third-party enemy, if there is no external enemy, then people turn against each other. They turn against themselves internally. It creates more and more civil conflict the fewer enemies we have abroad. And it's not a coincidence, in my opinion, that as we arrive at this increased conflict domestically over these elections and our cheating politicians, our lying politicians, and our own corrupt officials, as we arrive at increased conflict domestically, we start seeing more and more reports about unidentified flying objects, UFOs, UAPs. We start seeing more and more questions about whether or not the intelligence community or the military has identified beings from other planets, extraterrestrials, are interdimensional beings actually inhabiting the planet? What is going on? We are being faced with questions about our own humanity, whether or not there's some mysterious external threat because our own government, our own political class understands that if we don't have an external threat to believe in, to fight against, to be afraid of, then we will turn against each other or them. And the fact of the matter is the only enemy humanity has ever had has been other members of humanity. The only true enemy humanity has ever had has been this sort of political class. Whether you go back to ancient Rome or ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, all the way up to today, the greatest enemy of innocent good people has always been their own leadership political class. And the more and more obvious that comes, the more desperate the political class has become at finding external threats. Oh, it's not our fault that Rome is struggling so much. It's the barbarians on the frontier. We must fight the barbarians. They are savages. Oh, it's not our fault that we're having tremendous issues domestically. We have to fight the Native Americans, those savages on the frontier. Oh, it's not our fault that we're having all these conflicts. We have to fight the Nazis overseas, or we have to fight the Palestinians that are attacking Israel, or we have to fight the Russians that are attacking Ukraine, or we have to fight the Chinese that seek to... Take over Taiwan. It's always some sort of external threat that doesn't have any immediately obvious antagonism toward the United States. 
that is being blamed for all of our ills because the political class knows that sooner or later, we as the American people are going to figure out that actually, no, it's not aliens, it's not Germans, it's not Russians, it's not Chinese, it's not the North Koreans, it's not the Palestinians. It's our own leaders that are the enemies of the people. It's our own leaders that are the enemies of the American people. There is no one to blame for our own problems in the United States of America than our own political class, which we have foolishly empowered over decades, if not centuries, to sabotage and corrupt everything that is sovereign and sacred about our own individuality and freedoms as American citizens. And they can say time and time again that it's Russia's fault or China's fault, but we know that it's not Russia or China that's responsible for 12,000 illegal migrants coming into our country every single day. It is our own political class which has enabled, empowered, funded, and sponsored this invasion of our country. And so when are we going to rise up and say something and say no more? When are we going to actually take this country back, fight back against the lies that we are told time and time again about who we are and who we support? And say, no more, we're done. When are we going to stop paying taxes into the terrorist organization that is our own government that funds conflict after conflict, world war after world war, federal reserve after federal reserve, fractional reserve banking movement after fractional reserve banking policy, time and time again. When are we going to say, no more, we're done, go to hell? Because if we don't do it this year in 2024 by electing Trump or by doing something else that manifests in a true justice in this country, then we are doomed forever to being thrown into a virtual reality where we are enslaved mind, body, and spirit to the whims and will of a political class that flies around on planes and molests our children. It's as simple as that, folks. The first thing you can do is go to InfoWarsStore.com. Be the reason that we're still on the air and check out the game-changing New Year's specials from InfoWars, which are here. Get up to 60% off, plus free shipping and double Patriot points. New Year is upon us. It's time to reevaluate your approach to your supplement routine with these InfoWars essentials. First step to making America a better place is making yourself a better, healthier person. Go to InfoWarsStore.com and do it today. I'm not on Team NFL. I'm not on Team NBA. I'm not on Team Olympics. I'm not on Team Globalist or wokeism in the New World Order. I'm on Team Humanity, ladies and gentlemen, that loves God and loves our families and loves humanity and knows that we're destined to do even more incredible things than we've already done together. And so, inspired by my conversation with Elon Musk recently, where he agreed with my idea to call it Team Humanity, we've launched two limited edition t-shirts at InfoWarsStore.com. Let people know that, hey, it isn't about the football games or it isn't even about the UFC. It's about Team Humanity being under globalist attack. You can wear it. It's a great conversation starter. And you know it's supporting the InfoWar that is at the very tip of the spear in the fight for Team Humanity. Get your limited edition Team Humanity t-shirts right now at InfoWarsStore.com. And I thank you. Our world is so full of hype. We are force-fed dehumanizing propaganda by the corporate media, by the controlled churches and the universities. And why is this the case? Because we innately, by God, have been given the keys to our own minds, our own psyches, our own souls. And by connecting to God, we can empower ourselves and transcend the, quote, fallen or sinful state. 
foods, the chemicals that we ingest, and, and all the things that we try to bring into our bodies to, to, to change who we are, are only lowering us. They're only making us more depressed. In the end, they're only making us less fulfilled. It is only by going within and really making that connection to God that we can truly empower ourselves. That's why the globalists bombard us with toxins and chemicals to block us getting the normal vitamins and minerals and trace elements. Our bodies need to be healthy and to be able to basically reach out beyond the third dimension. And that's where the incredible products come in at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to The American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning, filling in for the great Harrison Smith, who will be back with you tomorrow morning. So many great things happening in InfoWars. I'm very excited to see what happens over the course of the next week. Make sure you stay tuned and pay attention because there are big things coming in the works. Meanwhile, ex-CIA officer says Ukraine a sinking ship after New York Times highlights recruitment crisis. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, who I like to refer to as Voldemort Zelensky, issued a customary speech to the nation wherein he advanced a vision of optimism even as the already war-ravaged country is under Russian bombs and drones. Putin has said Monday that these aerial operations will intensify. Zelensky vowed to see Ukraine transformed into an arms production powerhouse. I don't How long can somebody possibly be getting just annihilated in a war before they admit, the, admit defeat? I, I don't understand. I mean, if we look at it just from an objective standpoint, how many bombs have been dropped on Moscow versus how many drone strikes and bombs have hit Kiev? It's very obvious to me that we have one capital under attack and another just totally immune to any sort of attack. And yet we have Zelensky coming out saying that victory is possible time and time again. What is his incentive? What is his motive for saying this? I don't understand. It seems to me that everything he's doing as a leader is going to lead to him getting Valkyried. His own military at any moment is going to turn against him if he keeps sending people into the meat grinder for no reason. Everybody knows in the military of Ukraine that every operation they do is only going to manifest in death. Now they're recruiting people over the age of 45 because everyone else died. The war is over. Why do we prop this up? Why do we let hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, continue to die in this conflict for nothing? Why do we spend hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars on the defense of foreign nations when we could get the same outcome for free, which is their total defeat and annihilation? It'd be one thing if we could win, but even if we could win by giving them this money, why would we do this at the expense of our own people when we can't even defend our own borders in the United States of America? I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me. Our weapons, our equipment, artillery, our shells, our drones, our naval greetings to the enemy, and at least a million Ukrainian FPV drones he added, all of which we will generously use on land, in the sky, and of course at sea. Speaking of the West-sponsored pilot training program, which is happening in Northern Europe and in America, Zelensky claimed that Ukrainian trainees are already mastering F-16 jets and that they'll definitely soon be seen in Ukraine skies to that, so that our enemies can certainly see what our real wrath is. It's like getting punched in the face and saying, just wait till I get you. Then get hit again in the face. Oh, just wait till I punch you. Frankly, this whole thing reminds me, and I don't know if the crew has this easily accessible. It reminds me of that famous scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail where it's the Black Knight, the Dark Knight, fighting against King Arthur. 
and he gets his arm cut off. And he says, oh, it's just a bit of a flesh wound. Then he gets his other arm cut off. And by the end of it, the guy's got no legs and no arms. And he says, get back here. I'll bite your legs off. That's what Zelensky sounds like to me. He sounds like he's just screaming at Putin saying, I'll bite your legs off. It's exactly what's happened here. It's absolutely unbelievable to me that this guy in good conscience can send man after man, thousands after thousands into the meat grinder to just die for no reason whatsoever. Why is he trying to buy time? Buy time for what? Why doesn't this man resign or surrender and then resign? Why doesn't the conflict end and then resign? Can he not beg Putin for mercy at this point and just say, look, let us have the rest of our country. We screwed up about the NATO conversations. He could totally get them out of this war and he could be a hero. He could manifest himself as a hero of this conflict if he if he accomplishes the negotiation of peace with Russia, but he fails to do so. Meanwhile, we hear sort of conflicting reports. We hear that the U.S. Navy sinks three Houthi boats attacking merchant ship in Red Sea. But at the same time, amidst these conflicts of these Houthi attacks, we see other reports here that the USS Ford aircraft carrier is returning home after extended deployment protecting Israel. The USS Gerald R. Ford aircraft carrier strike group is heading home from the Mediterranean Sea, according to a Monday announcement by the U.S. Navy. It had patrol there, particularly in the eastern Mediterranean, for months of additional extended duty in order to provide protection for Israel and to be on the ready for potential escalation given persistent exchange of fire between Israel and Lebanese Hezbollah, too. But now it's coming back home, and I just don't foresee that this is a legitimate de-escalation of the conflict in Israel. It seems to me that this might just be a little bit of an intermission or an exchanging of arms or just a little rest. For the USS Ford, because I foresee that we are going to get involved in a much more explicit way in this conflict in Israel because of our national security interests around securing the region that is Israel. And I think what we're going to see is a Trail of Tears 2.0. I think we're going to see the total eradication and displacement of all of these Palestinians in the name of securing Israel, in the name of our national security interests in terms of competitive trade with China and China's Belt and Road Initiative. But the real question is, what are they going to do with all the Palestinians? Because you can't just kill them all. I mean, that's a genocide. That's a holocaust. We can't get away with just killing all of them. We have to move millions of them so it doesn't look like we killed all of them. But where are we going to move them? Because Lebanon doesn't want to take them. Jordan doesn't want to take them. Egypt doesn't want to take them because they know that if they take these migrants into these nations, then that means that there are going to be attacks from these nations, from the Hamas sympathizing radicals within these groups on Israel. Egypt doesn't want terrorist attacks from Egypt on Israel. Jordan doesn't want terrorist attacks from Jordan on Israel because then it looks like Jordan and Egypt are attacking Israel. That would be what the situation would be if these Palestinians were replaced in these regions. And so you hear calls for Western nations to take these Palestinians, Western nations to take the people of Gaza or the people of the West Bank into their own countries. And frankly, you hear calls for the United States itself to harbor some of these radicals. And it seems like not a big deal to our political class, which is allowing 12,000 people a day, if not more, into our country, over 72,000 of them from countries of interest since the advent of the Biden regime. If we're going to let them in already from all, all other terrorists inspired or sponsored places of the world, why wouldn't this administration say, hey, look, we're going to do this humanitarian thing. We're going to take these people from Palestinian regions, from the West Bank, from Gaza. We're going to take them and we're going to bring them into the United States and give them the resources they need to live and survive. 
as if none of them will harbor any hatred for the United States because of our sponsorship of Israel, which has bombed them incessantly for decades. And I'm not particularly antagonistic toward Israel or particularly in favor of Israel. I just believe in America and what's good for America. And it seems to me against our interests as the United States of America to harbor terrorists. And it seems to me that every time that we bring terrorists into these countries, what we see is terrorist activity in our country, terrorist attacks in our country. And every time we have terrorist attacks in our country, what we seem to do is go to war in the Middle East on behalf of these attacks, regardless of whether or not who we're going to war with actually has anything to do with the attacks themselves. It's always a pretext. And frankly, it's so conspiratorial and it's so consistent that it seems intentional to me. It's not an act of incompetence, but an act of intention that our political class wants terrorists in this country so terrorist activity can happen in this country so they can justify justify perpetual war overseas wherever they want, whenever they want, want against whomever they want. And that's what I'm worried about seeing in the next six months. I'm worried in the next six months we're going to see massive terrorist attacks in the United States. They're going to be used as a pretext to bring us into war, used as a pretext to push Biden out because of his terrible border policy, put in another Democrat that is backed and sponsored by the intelligence community, and then they're going to throw another election for another leftist who's going to perpetuate the globalist agenda. That's what I'm concerned about. Stick with us, folks. We've got more great news on the other side. In the final hour today, we will be taking your calls. In the meantime, make sure you visit InfoWarsStore.com and check out these awesome deals that we have up to 60% off, plus free shipping and double Patriot points in our New Year's sale at InfoWarsStore.com. January 2024 is here, and that means up to 60% off at InfoWarsStore.com, free shipping and double Patriot points. This is one of the biggest deals of the year, and it supports the InfoWar. And we're selling out a lot of these products, and it'll be months and months till more are back in stock. Whether it's books, films, t-shirts, you name it, you need to go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and take advantage of this 2024 New Year's sale, double Patriot points, free shipping, and so much more. Get a copy of my book, Signed or Unsigned, The Great Awakening, The Plan to Defeat the Globalists, and Launch the Next Great Renaissance. And again, thank you so much for your amazing support in 2023. But 2024, as everybody knows, is the big year. So please support us and get great products at InfoWarsStore.com. And tell everybody you know and those you don't know, tune into the live show at InfoWars.com forward slash show. God bless, and we're going into 2024 together. Infowars.com is tomorrow's news today. In the pages of the American Journal, Chase Geyser writes the unfolding chapters of our nation. We've come along. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning, filling in for the great Harrison Smith. Covering the news over the next 30 minutes or so, and then taking calls in the final hour. I want to hear what you have to say about 2024. What is to come? Monthly migrant encounters exceed 300,000 for the first time in U.S. history. The cloudward pivoting of America continues unabated thanks to well-funded enemies of America and an impotent and well-lobbied legislature. On Monday, Fox News reported that a record 302,000 encounters with illegal migrants occurred in December, which marks 785,000 encounters since, since October 1st, according to a source within Customs and Border Patrol. Record numbers 
despite the fact that usually the winter months are a little bit lean in terms of illegal migrants. And we see that our country is just being invaded. And that's encounters, 302,000 encounters. That doesn't count those who we didn't encounter, those who actually made it across the border unannounced, unfound, unencountered. This is an invasion of our country. And we can't solve the world's problems by migrating the people suffering those problems into our country. We just can't absorb all of the world's problems by absorbing all of the world's people. And for a long time, our military industrial complex would come out time and time again and say that it was important for the United States to police the world and establish democracy internationally. We get involved in Operation Iraqi Freedom as if what we were doing for Iraq was a favor. (laughs) And we seek to establish democracy over there, even though we're not supposed to be a democracy here. We call it democracy. And we we try time and time again to establish democracy and do nation building where the fact of the matter is the only time that nation building has ever really worked internationally with the sponsorship and help and assistance of the United States of America has been in nations that were already pretty much democracies or at least of Western values. So we were able to rebuild Japan after we annihilated Japan during World War II, but it was already a civilized country before we destroyed it. We were able to rebuild much of Germany after World War II, but it was already a civilized nation before we destroyed it. But what instance have we ever gone in as a nation What example can you think of where, as a nation, the United States came in in the name of nation building, in the name of spreading democracy, and established a successful democracy where civilization had not really existed in any sort of organized or civilized way before? Never. How's Iraqi freedom going for Iraq right now? Not good. How's Afghanistan doing right now? Not good. How's Iran doing since we installed the Shah? Not good. All these countries that we go in and we try to build a nation or we try to overthrow a government end up more screwed up than they were before we even got involved at all. How's Libya doing now that we've taken out Gaddafi? Not good. I can't think of an example of a country that's just doing great because we came in and overthrew their government in the name of establishing a democracy. It just doesn't exist. So we can't fix the problems abroad by establishing democracy, and we can't fix the problems abroad by absorbing all of the people from the entire world into our own country. Maybe the lesson to be learned here is that the United States just can't solve any of the world's problems. People have to solve problems for themselves. And maybe there's a lesson to be learned here about reparations as well. Maybe this applies to our welfare initiatives as well, because we're always trying to solve the problems of the most vulnerable among us. We're always trying to solve the problems of the minority communities who suffer the most, of the the communities who have been the victims of systemic racism in the United States of America. We're always trying to solve these issues by establishing welfare programs and doing things like universal basic income or giving free health care out or free education or free whatever program out. But we never seem to actually solve any of these problems because the fact of the matter is the government can't solve problems that are caused by people themselves. People have to choose to solve those problems. The only time revolution actually works is when a people earns the right to revolt and successfully revolt and establishes an own government for itself. You can't come in and fix a problem externally when the symptoms are wrought from within. That's why a country has to have its own revolution if it's to overcome its own corruption. You can't have a revolution for it. You can't outsource it. That's why so many people who win the lottery and win tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars within a matter of like 36 to 60 months are found bankrupt exactly on the same corner they were when they bought that sacred lottery ticket that brought them out of poverty in the first place. 
They squander that which they have not lived up to, that which they have not earned. You cannot bring a people to a level where they deserve freedom until they have developed the character to keep that freedom themselves. And that's the problem that we're facing here in the United States of America because we had a revolution that we earned. We were a people deserving of freedom. We were a people that fought and earned that freedom with the blood of patriots on the tree of liberty. And for a long time, we kept that freedom, but we see it waning year after year, generation after generation, term after term of our political class. We see that freedom waning, waning and it's not because our political class is so corrupt. Political classes have always been corrupt, but it's because our people are less and less deserving of freedom every single generation. All the freedom that we have lost, all of the rights that we have lost, all of the suffering that has come upon us as a people is actually suffering that we deserve. Because we have allowed that freedom to slip away. We have taken for granted that which should never have been taken for granted. We failed to water the tree of liberty with the blood of patriots. And so we are reaping the rewards of that. We are experiencing the consequences of that. That lack of character among our people, we are experiencing God's divine justice. All of the suffering that we are faced with now is because of our own flaws and our own character and our own failings. So if we want freedom again, then we should be a people worthy of it. And if we want world peace, then we should leave the world to find peace. Instead of waging war in the name of peace. One more world war and we'll have the world peace that we finally want. We'll finally have that world peace if we just have one more world war. Guys, this is, this is the one more world war that we need. The first two, it was a good, good attempt, but really, we just messed it up at the end. If we, just, if we could just have one more world war, then maybe we would have the world peace that we've been seeking this whole time. If we could just give it all to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and the United Nations and NATO. We get the right people together in Davos. Maybe we could have that world peace that we really want. Maybe we could have that climate utopia, that virtual reality that we really want. Maybe we could properly enslave humanity to such an extent that no world war would ever happen again because, frankly, people just wouldn't have a choice. No one would have to consider whether or not to fight for freedom because fighting for freedom wouldn't be an option if we properly enslave all of mankind. And it all starts... This global takeover, this new world order, this global government, this one world government all starts with the squandering of liberty wherever it exists. Because as long as there are sovereign people in the world with freedom, with liberty, then there can be no new world order. There can be no one world government. And where is the place that the greatest amount of freedom exists? Well, it's the United States of America still, despite the fact that it's not even close to the glory that it once was in terms of personal freedom. And that's why we see the systemic invasion of our country from people who hate it, sponsored by our own political class to the tune of over 300,000 people a quarter, over 12,000 people a day across our southern border. And anybody who stands up against it is threatened with lawsuits by the DOJ. And anybody who would do anything about it, as is their right to do something about it, would immediately be persecuted or imprisoned for any action that could be taken to protect our border by this invasion. It's as simple as that. They want America to die because America is the last hope for individual sovereignty and freedom in the world. And so if you believe that we are actually facing a globalist threat, if you believe that this great narrative is globalism versus individualism, because nothing is more antithetical to globalism than individualism, 
then you must understand that the United States of America is enemy number one to the globalists because it is the only place that protects freedom to the extent that freedom is protected in the world, to the maximum extent that we see it actually protected in the world. And that's why we see this international attack on America. That's why we see this attack on America from our own political class because our own political class has already subscribed to the philosophy of globalism. From Jeffrey Epstein's bookshelf to the White House itself, we see the same philosophy that we need to eradicate humanity from the face of the planet, that we need to sell out individuality for the sake of the masses, that we need to sacrifice human beings for the sake of a planet, which is supposed to exist for us, not the other way around. So if you want to fight globalism, you got to fight for the freedom of speech. You have to fight for InfoWars and InfoWarsStore.com, and you have to fight for this country tooth and nail in 2024, folks. More on the other side. I'm a humble person, and I want to say that I'm just a man, but I'm not just a man. Just like you, no matter what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, you were made by the creator of the universe who had a plan for you, who has a destiny for you. That's why the system hates you and fears you, and that's why they hate me. It's because the spirit I carry is one of justice and truth and courage and honor and will and love. My friends, the enemy's coming after me. Not because I'm a loser, but because I'm a winner. They're coming after you, not because you're a bad person, because you're a good person. Because you love God and God loves you. And so I signed up for this. I signed up for this fight. And I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer. But I can't fight this fight without you. That's why I want you always to remember that I appreciate you and I thank you. Because InfoWars is your fight. InfoWars is your baby. It's the thing you built. We did this together. So God bless you all. Let's keep fighting. January 2024 is here, and that means up to 60% off at InfoWarsStore.com, free shipping, and double Patriot points. This is one of the biggest deals of the year, and it supports the InfoWar. And we're selling out a lot of these products, and it'll be months and months till more are back in stock. Whether it's books, films, t-shirts, you name it, you need to go to InfoWarsStore.com right now and take advantage of this 2024 New Year's sale, double Patriot points, free shipping, and so much more. Get a copy of my book, Signed or Unsigned, The Great Awakening, The Plan to Defeat the Globalists, and Launch the Next Great Renaissance. And again, thank you so much for your amazing support in 2023. But 2024, as everybody knows, is the big year. So please support us and get great products at InfoWarsStore.com. And tell everybody you know and those you don't know, tune into the live show at InfoWars.com forward slash show. God bless, and we're going into 2024 together. Listening to the American Journal. Watch it live right now at band.video. Welcome back to the American Journal, folks. I am Chase Geyser, your host this morning. Make sure you call in 877-789-2539. I am going to be taking calls for the final hour. Again, that's 877 877- Seven eight nine two five three nine. Open lines. Call in and talk about whatever you want. Give the crew a chance to screen the calls throughout this segment and then start taking your calls at the top of the hour. The sooner you call, the more likely I am to be able to get to you. 200-plus soldiers, veterans, pledged to court-martial military leaders for COVID vaccine mandate. Over 200 service members and veterans in an open letter 
vowed to hold their military leadership accountable for the damage caused by implementing the now-canceled COVID vaccine mandates. A letter published on January 1st, 2024, named specific senior military leaders who the signers claim broke the law and violated the Constitution. While implementing the COVID-19 vaccine mandate, military leaders broke the law, trampled constitutional rights, denied informed consent, permitted unwilling medical experimentation, and suppressed the free exercise of religion, the letter states. Well, we'll see how far that goes. We'll see whether or not they actually win in this effort to court-martial military leaders because I don't think they are going to. And frankly, I don't know if the uh, President of the United States can pardon a court-martial military officials. As the commander-in-chief, it seems maybe like a conflict of interest that he would be able to pardon his own military officials following his own orders. But it seems like this goes all the way to the top and that the commander-in-chief should have stopped this to begin with. Of course, we know now that the military is begging people to join, even advertising in bold letters that you will not have to be vaccinated if you join. It is sending letters out to military personnel who were expelled from the military for not getting vaccinated, saying, we're sorry about that, you can come back. Because we've got World War III coming around, and now the military realizes, oh my God, it's actually more important that we have soldiers than we have vaccinated soldiers in terms of this COVID vaccine. And this all in the context of the fact that new safety concerns about the COVID shots are arising. I'm just going to read through these bullet points here. According to research published in December of 2023, the mRNA COVID shots suffer high rates of ribosomal frame shifting, which causes your cells to produce off-target proteins that can trigger unintended immune reactions. So basically anaphylactic shock or any sort of autoimmune response to getting vaccinated. You get vaccinated, your body produces all these proteins, your immune system responds to these proteins that it produces, and it creates an autoimmune issue, anaphylactic shock. According to the authors, off-target cellular immune responses occur in 25% to 30% of people who have received the COVID shot. That's great. Just one in four to one in three people who receive the shot have this unintended, unhealthy autoimmune response. Again, it's stuff we already knew that they're just admitting. And when they admit it, it's breaking news. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration and Australia's Therapeutic Goods Administration are refusing to release the RNA stability data they supposedly relied on when approving a change to Pfizer's shot that allowed it to be transported and stored at temperatures of negative 20 degrees Celsius instead of negative 70 degrees Celsius. So they try to save money in the transportation of the drug, and they won't release the data to justify that because... Presumably, the data is absolutely terrifying. The FDA also authorized Pfizer to swap the phosphate-buffered saline buffer used in the adult formulations to a trauma-theming buffer in the children's version. FDA did not require any kind of testing to be conducted, and no data have been released in support of its decision to allow the swap. Wonderful. Children are, again, an example of a portion of our population they seem to care about the least. And finally, according to research published in 2023, the nanolipid in Comirnaty, made by Pfizer and BioNTech, is toxic to cells and triggers pro-inflammatory cytokines and reactive oxygen species that can disrupt the mitochondrial membrane, causing it to release its content. Now, the mitochondria is the energy powerhouse of the cell. It causes RNA mistranslation, DNA mutations, DNA mutations namely causing cancer, destruction of the nuclear membrane, and more. 
frequent repetitions of COVID boosters and or using mRNA in other vaccines poses a grave public health risk, the scientist warns behind the study. So more and more data coming out how unhealthy these vaccines are, how unsafe these vaccines are. And we just see silence from the establishment. We just see the harboring and sheltering of data from these scientists. We see these companies refusing to release their data, refusing to tell the public the truth about what it found regarding these vaccines and the unhealthy, unintended consequences. And again, it's an example of big pharma lying to the people about the efficacy and the safety of their products while forcing the mass inoculation of entire population. Meanwhile, friends and family are disowning each other over disputes about the safety or efficacy of these vaccines. So they've divided America against itself to the point where half the country hates the other half of the country. And they've inoculated a tremendous portion of the country with this experimental drug, which they knew was dangerous and didn't care. And then they lied to us about the safety and efficacy of this drug. And they continue to lie to us about it because they want us to continue to get boosted, even though it doesn't work and it can only harm you. All while they actually manufactured, funded and created the pandemic COVID-19. The infection, which they have fought against. So they created the problem. Then the solution that they advocated was unsafe, unhealthy, and ineffective. And then they lied to you about both the problem and the solution. And they're still lying to you about both the problem and the solution today. But it's our fault. It's our misinformation that, you know, we should be the ones that are censored. We should be the ones that are silenced on all the major social media platforms because of our questioning of this very questionable behavior. Frankly, I'm just so sick of it. I don't. I don't want to take another product from Big Pharma ever again. I've got, I've got hemophilia, so I have to take the hemophilia medication. Otherwise, I'll die. But these drugs are to be avoided at all costs. You know, <laughs> there's a stand-up com- comedy bit. I, I can't remember the name of the comedian who does it. It's so funny. Comes out and he says, I hate religion. This is what he says in the bit. He goes, religion is... Disgusting to me. For example, there's this one religion. Christian scientists. Have you heard of Christian scientists? Christian scientists say that if your child is dying of cancer, you cannot, according to your religion, give that child the medication needed to save its life. That's the only good religion. (laughs) That's what he says in the bit. And the ironic thing is, Despite the fact that it's terrible that the Christian scientists allow children to die when they get sick because it's against their religion to take medication. On the whole, as a population, the Christian scientists have a tremendous life expectancy. I knew a Christian scientist. I think he died. He was almost 100 years old. Never took medication in his entire life. And I'm almost to the point where I believe that you're better off just never taking any of these drugs. You got high blood pressure. Why don't you go for a run instead of taking the pill? Any of these conditions. I mean, I guess if you're diabetic, you got to take the diabetes medicine. But the fact that you're diabetic has a lot to do with the fact that you're fat, right? So maybe you just don't get fat. You don't take any of the drugs. That would help, right? Let's start off. Let's finish off this segment with a call. Let's take Len in Columbus. Len, what's on your mind? Are you there, Len? Yes, uh, Chase. I'm with you. Um, I became a um, – I, I joined your Substack, but I can't make a comment on it. Oh, okay. I'll take a look. I haven't, I haven't posted on Substack in a long time, sir. All right. Well, um, I became a, um, a whale on cryptocurrency. 
Nice. Baby Grok. Baby Grok. I bought a hundred dollars worth and I'm close to a billion coins. Nice. And and you know, Max Kaiser, he he told Alex he'd give him a thousand ten thousand Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but I'm offering a billion Bitcoin. I mean not Bitcoin, but baby Gronk. How much is a billion baby Gronk worth? A hundred dollars. Nice. I appreciate it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I know what I you mean, mean and if man. Everybody did that. He'd be he'd be a blue whale. He'd be the <laughs> biggest whale going. You know, and we'd just drive the price up for the rest of it. I tell you what, we gotta drive the price price up so we can afford those bounty hunters, Len. Oh yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm still open for that. But um you spurred me on to something, Chase, when you were talking about the um, the bots, chat bots, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I found one, and I took my friend's, uh, he's on Substack, uh, Calvary Harvest Ministry, mm-hmm. and I took his article and shoved it over to the bot. And you said you had to have a lot of finesse to do this. So I'm doing my best. And I, I want your opinion on it. Okay. And I'd ask him what his opinion was, you know. Mm-hmm. And he'd come back, and it'd just floor me, you know, what he was saying. And and I'm just going, you know, this. And then my friend, Phil, he'd be on it, too. And then he'd ask a similar Cut question. Come to a break, Len. Stick with us. We'll do more oh, on the other okay. side. We'll let you finish your thought on the other side. The InfoWars Live Silver Bullet Colloidal Silver has finally returned. To celebrate this powerful product's long-awaited homecoming, we're slashing $10 off the asking price, passing the savings on to you. Silver Bullet is the answer to Alex's extensive search for a powerful colloidal silver product that utilizes high-quality processes that has applications for both preparedness and regular use. Concentrated to 30 parts per million in a pure base of deionized water, This survival silver is the perfect fit for you and your family's routine and emergency supply. Beloidal silver is an amazing natural product that can assist your body's many healing processes. Do a deep dive, research the possibilities of colloidal silver yourself, and don't miss out on this limited-time offer of $10 off. Try InfoWars Life Silver Bullet Colloidal Silver today, available right now at InfoWarsStore.com. 